there's always going to be things you want to improve on yourself, whether it be, you know, feeling down um, less, less often, whether it's having more energy, whether it's, you know, looking a little better in the mirror, there's always going to be things you want to improve on. But I really feel that part of the working out process and part of this mental health journey we go on and finding that sense of self is learning to love who you are in the given moment that you're in while still constantly trying to improve yourself and work on things. You're listening to My Evolved Life, a podcast that simplifies health and fitness and helps you maximize your life. My name is Vuna Nguyen, and I'm the creator of the Evolution Training System. We're so lucky to be living in the information age, meaning it's easier than ever to access information and find answers to any questions you may have. But isn't it confusing when you read information that's conflicting or worse yet, just sounds wrong? I'll be sitting down with industry professionals to give you clarity and leave you with tangible actions you can take immediately to improve your physical, mental, and psychological health. Today, we welcome Max Hall to the podcast. I'm pretty excited to have Max here. He's been a personal trainer for just over five years. Um, I'm particularly interested in Max and what he does because he shares a very he shares with me a very, very unique philosophy when it comes to exercise. So he's an advocate that exercise is not just for your physical health, but very much for your mental well-being as well. So, you know, without what, I don't want to spoil your story too, too much. I always like my guests to be able to tell their own. So Max, why don't we jump into that? Um, you know, why you became a trainer in the first place and really how you transitioned into that mental and physical health well-being um, philosophy. Yeah, Vu, thanks for having me. I've been listening to the podcast um, for the past couple of weeks here, and I'm loving listening to everybody talk, and I'm excited to share my story here. Um, so I'll jump back uh, before I became a trainer, kind of what made me get into a trainer. I think that's very important to the why. I think the mental health side of things is so important. So uh, growing up, I played a lot of sports. Um, sports were always a huge, huge part of my life, and I started working out in about grade nine, um, this was a time in my life where, um, you know, high school, things are kind of a little bit weird. You're not really sure who you are and you're trying to find that sense of identity. And for me, working out definitely helped me find that sense of identity. It helped me find my confidence. And um, I decided I was going to go play college football in the States. So I went and played college football in Minnesota for a Division three school called the College of St. Scholastica for about two years. And then that's when life kind of got dumped on its head for me. I actually ended up getting in a really abusive relationship. I lost about 35 pounds and I was unable to keep playing football, unable to keep um, doing my university degree. I had, you know, failed a bunch of courses and wasn't really sure where my life was going or what I was doing. I felt very lost. I moved back home with my parents and uh, that's when a friend of mine came and uh, dragged me out of bed. He's like, you're coming to work out with me. Um, we went in our first day back to the gym, my first day back to the gym in probably about three to six months. We did a leg day. I put the uh, 45 pound bar on my back and crumpled underneath it. And uh, yeah, I, it was kind of a scary time, but at the same time, um, it felt good to be back working out again and it helped me find a sense of purpose. And I kept going with it. I kept going with it. I kept getting in the gym. I kept working out and I felt my mental state get better and better and better. And I realized that um, 
you know, life is going to have its ups and downs and working out kind of helped me find a sense of normal where, you know, the peaks were a lot higher, but the valleys weren't quite as low and helped me find a sense of mental well-being and take control of my life. And that's kind of when I realized that that's something I wanted to help other people out with. And I wanted to become a trainer and help people find their sense of self and um, help become mentally healthier. So it's very interesting the way that you put that. When you say sense of self, let's help, help the audience understand. What do you mean by sense of self? Yeah, so sense of self um, is kind of your ability to love who you are. And I think this is a process that took me a lot of years to figure out. You know, there's always going to be things you want to improve on yourself, whether it be, you know, feeling down um, less, less often, whether it's having more energy, whether it's, you know, looking a little better in the mirror, there's always going to be things you want to improve on. But I really feel that part of the working out process and part of this mental health journey we go on and finding that sense of self is learning to love who you are in the given moment that you're in, while still constantly trying to improve yourself and work on things. So this is why I love getting into conversations like this because it's, it's on some level, it's very philosophical because when you think of exercise, you think of physical movement, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say the, the, the common, the average person would make that correlation. When yeah. you're talking about sense of self, you are talking about almost a spirituality, a, a mental state. So where for you, do you find that crossover between physical and that spiritual slash mental uh, part of yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I have, you know, some really good examples of that. But, you know, in training clients, a big one that I've found is I do a lot of strength training. I coach a lot of um, powerlifting athletes. I've done a lot of powerlifting myself. It's not all that I coach, but I really like the idea of strength training because it's a tangible number where you can see yourself improving while the mental benefits you get from it are crazy. So, you know, first day somebody's in the gym, they might only be able to do a body weight squat. And then by the time they've spent, you know, six months, a year in the gym, all of a sudden they have um, the bar with 45 pound plates on each side and their sense of self there, you know, they almost get a sense of gratitude and like, oh, like my body, I'm thankful that my body can move and my body can do this because I've been able to see tangible numerical improvements in my numbers in the gym and it gives them that sense of self-confidence and self-accomplishment that they've improved in one area of their life and then they start to see it translate over into other areas of their life as well and I've definitely noticed that for myself too is like I said going back to that first day back in the gym when I can even squat the bar after taking that much time off and then you know being able to go from that to competing in 2019 powerlifting worlds and um, you know just seeing how far I can push my body and always 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 trying to you know, push the limits of, um, I want to see how much I can do in a safe and healthy manner. I really want to be able to give the audience a little bit of perspective of your journey. Yeah. So you played football, uh, very much an athlete. Um, mm-hmm. So if I, I dare say that at some point in time, being an athlete was very, very married with your identity. That's what you identified with. So when that got stripped from you, I'm sure you found that you had a little bit of that loss of self. Now, mm-hmm. I imagine it wasn't just 
the next day. I know you said that your friend pulled you to the gym with him. Um, yeah. But let's put that into perspective. What kind of timeline were we looking at between losing that self of, uh, sorry, losing that sense of identity and refinding it through fitness? It doesn't happen overnight. No, absolutely not. It actually, it took quite a while. And, um, you know, gym anxiety is a real thing. So that first day that I got dragged back into the gym, thankfully, it was a very private gym where there wasn't many people around. But um, shortly after that, we started going back to the college gym, a place where, you know, I'd been many times before, um, you know, losing my self-esteem. But at the time, I was, you know, much skinnier. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily like what I saw in the mirror. I didn't like who I was, and I had lost that sense of self. I had very little self-confidence. So going in the gym, it felt like everybody's eyes were on me. They're like, who's that skinny guy? Um, why is he here? Oh, he doesn't even lift. And, you know, you have that, like, sense of, like, everybody's looking at you. But, um, you know, something I've come to, you know, know over the years is that nobody's really looking at you, um, you know everybody's doing their own thing. They're a little too focused on themselves. But for the most part, everybody in an environment like that has your back. They're rooting for you to better themselves because everybody's kind of came from something like that. Like nobody started off with just that sense of walking in the gym and being super, super confident. They all, you know, started from somewhere and had to grow that confidence over time being in the gym. So they went, they see that you're new in the gym. They're, they're very much rooting for you to gain that confidence and take control of your life. And, you know, even if they're not saying it out loud, um, obviously there's going to be people out there who aren't reading for you, but you know, you can't control what those people think. Um, but yeah, for so sure. time I, one. I don't mean to interrupt, uh -huh. but uh, before you went on in your story there, um, mm -hmm. it almost puts a smile on my face because mm -hmm. minus the collegiate football, you mm -hmm. told my story. Oh, okay. That, that, that very much, like, that's how I came into fitness as well. Um, mm -hmm. I did play high school football, mm -hmm. uh, but, but, but like you, I was very, very skinny. Um, and and that, that created such a negative paradigm within my own head, uh, such a negative narrative, if you will, about the gym, um, not wanting to go because people aren't going to judge you, whatever. And, and you're right. While that may not be the reality, it was in here therefore is as good as reality right yeah and i think it's a good reminder for people that everybody goes through that and you know if you're in that position where you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking i really want to get into the gym um but you know i'm not sure about it like i'm afraid everybody's going to judge me first of all there's other alternatives to help you gain a little bit more confidence for getting into the gym but it's just a friendly healthy reminder to be like everybody there has gone through that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, sorry to interrupt. You were, you were going on about uh, the next phase of your journey. Oh, no worries. That's really cool. I actually didn't know that about you, that, you know, we had went through a similar journey there. Um, you know, I feel like most people's either the weight loss journey or the weight gain journey. But uh, no, it's cool. Cool that we share that in common. But uh, to my story, um, uh, the timeline probably took place over about, Six months. So before um, dropping out of college, before going through the abusive relationship, um, I was in school for business management and then I had um, switched over to exercise physiology. I decided that I wanted to be like a high level strength conditioning coach, maybe for like a NFL team or like a 
you know, college football team or something like that. So I'd kind of been studying, you know, the art of exercise before that, um, specifically for athletes. But when, um, you know, I went through the abusive relationship, when I started to get back into the gym, when I started to see the benefits for, you know, the everyday average people, probably in the course of about three months, I kind of got back on my feet, started working out again, started to see, you know, some muscle return to my body, went and got a job as a bartender. And then within about another three months, I got a job as a trainer uh, in my hometown of Coaldale, and I started training people. Um, Looking back at it now, I think I didn't really have a very good idea of what I was doing. I think I had my personal training certification, but uh, I didn't really understand the human psyche enough to, as I do now, to help people. And I think that's part of the journey is um, for trainers is looking back on themselves one, two, three years from where they are now. You should always be able to say, wow, like I've improved so much since that time. Um, so looking back at it now, I'm like, wow, like it's crazy how much of a difference this timeline has made to my training skills. Um, but yeah, so about six months for the timeline there of how long it took me to get from, you know, zero to I want to start helping people with their mental and physical health. And I started putting into practice some of those skills I learned in college and some skills I was learning and picking up along the way of that six months. I love that you went there. Uh, you mm -hmm. went to human psyche. Those mm -hmm. are the terms you used. Um, truth be told, one of my big issues with the fitness industry, and I, I do have quite a big issue with the industry, um, it's really just the way it's being portrayed, uh, the way that professionals carry themselves and, and what have you, right? So when, when you refer to human psyche, going back to the whole mentality, what have you, it can be, it can be confusing for the, the the average uneducated person because again, exercise is physical. What are you talking about? Like, why should I care about? Why should I, as a trainer, care about what they, you know, what's going on in here, right? But I believe that that is such a huge component of it, right? What makes a good trainer isn't necessarily the certification that they have or even in my opinion, the experience that they have. It's empathy. Uh, and I, just, I know that sounds so, so cliche, and I apologize that it sounds cliche, but it's true. I, I think somebody who, you know, of course, it's very, very important to understand how the body moves, why it moves, the mechanics of it. Um, but I would say that a trainer who has less experience in that department but has more in the empathetic department will become a, a, a better trainer. Do you agree with me? What are your, what is your mindset there? 100%. You probably see that big smile coming on my face now because you're, you're talking my language now. I think um, that's some of my same quarrels that I have with the fitness industry and how professionals carry themselves. Um, after I got out of Coaldale, I went to a corporate gym setting and I was actually taught that you're supposed to tell people that, Oh, if, you can't commit to at least three days in the gym. You can't get results. And um, I think this is where the empathy part plays into play. Some people, whether it's perceived in their head or whether it's, you know, actually a part of it, some people just don't have the time to do three one-hour workouts in the gym. You know, that requires driving to the gym, getting changed um, before the gym, you know, maybe doing some stretching afterwards, leaving the gym, like it turns into like a three hour process. That's nine hours that they could be 
spending with their kids or doing something else. And um, something I've definitely learned um, since leaving the corporate gym setting and becoming self-employed is everybody's situation is a little bit different. And empathy is really the part that's going to allow you to connect with whatever human is in front of you and help you find the right situation for them. For some people, exercising might be getting off the couch and walking for five minutes a day because that's all they can do. And maybe that action leads to them getting more motivation to do more, but having that empathy to look at the person and help them find what's the best for them in the situation that they're in and the mental state that they're in. I don't think there's a skill more important to being a trainer than empathy and having that skill to help people in the situation that they're in with empathy. Completely, completely. Um, and, and that's why uh, I'm a little bit more vocal about my, my reservation uh, when it comes to the fitness industry, right? Uh, you know, at the moment, I'm not quite sure how to begin that shift so that we have better trainers and better professionals. And I'm not just talking about fitness professionals. I'm talking about across the range, you know, whether it's nutrition, whether it's psychologists, now, I think psychologists are a little bit different because they do have, um, they are, there are regulating bodies that they do have to, you know, abide by. Whereas yeah. I think with fitness specifically, especially in Canada, it's much less regulated, right? Mm -hmm. So really anybody can call themselves a trainer and nobody's going to dispute that, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of misinformation out there and, and conflicting information and really that's why I, I created this podcast right to help to try to you know I try my very best to to clarify some of the misconceptions I can't clarify them all um mm -hmm. but but you do what you can you know um and that's mm -hmm. why I have trainers like yourself who are very pragmatic in their thinking I would say even a little bit forward thinking mm -hmm. uh, understanding that yes everybody is very very unique in their situation where nine hours a week, like you, as you coined it, um, is okay for some, not ideal, but okay for some, for others, man, please, uh, give me 50 minutes a day. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to try my best to hit it. And I may still not hit it. But at least you're meeting me where I am. And you, you're giving me the best chance of, mm -hmm. of meeting those goals. So going back to what you do then, Max, um, mm -hmm. who when you're first onboarding a client who just comes in with this gung-ho attitude of, okay, I want to shed pounds. I want to add muscle, whatever it is. How do you get them? How do you start them down this road of understanding that there are, is both a physical and a mental component to your success or to their success? Yeah. So I think the first thing that's really important is in assessing where a person is at both mentally and physically, just asking questions and getting to know them. Um, I like to start off by sharing my story because I find when I share my story, they become a little bit more prone to open up. And when they open up, they tell you your why. Um, they're, you know, not just what they want to do. You know, I want to put on 10 pounds of muscle and I want to, you know, have abs when I look in the mirror, but they tell you like why those things are important to you. That to me is a lot more important than the what they want to do. Because the why they want to do it is what allows me to connect with them and really work with them on like, okay, this is how we're going to get you there. Um, the other thing I focus on is sustainability. I always tell people like, okay, it's great that you want to 
gain this muscle or lose this weight or, you know, look good in the mirror, but does that really benefit you and your mental well-being if you look like that for a month, two months, three months, but then you start to backslide backwards and you lose the results you gave? So I always talk to people about like the sustainability of things like, okay, I love what you're doing um, and I want you to keep doing it, but I also want you to continually ask yourself the question of, is this sustainable? Is this something I can continue doing for the rest of my life? Because if the answer is no, then maybe doing a little bit less and the results coming a little bit slower is going to be better because when you do finally get those results, you're going to be able to continue to keep them for the rest of your life. Okay. Just to help other trainers out there, <laughs> how do you manage that expectation? Now you, you touched on that a little bit, but how do you specifically manage that expectation? Because let's face it, people are instant gratification based, right? <laughs> what, can I, what is the least amount I can do to achieve results tomorrow? So how do you take that, that mindset and reframe it such that they understand that this takes time, but when you do it with time over time, it lasts for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the answer to that question is kind of tied into the question itself. Um, people aren't going to change overnight. You know, you can't tell somebody something once and expect the instant gratification of them instantly changing their mindset. You have to continue to remind them and continue to reinforce that point over time so that it really gets ingrained into their head that like, this is how it is, right? So um, yeah, just continue reminding them until they get, they get it down. Um, you know, don't expect them to just listen to you the first time you say it. I think a lot of trainers get upset about that. They get, um, well, I told them that, you know, um, th that they need to focus on sustainability. It's like, well, did you remind them every time that they had a backslide or did you tell them once at the start and then expect them, you know, to get it the first time Meanwhile, you're doing the same thing with your training philosophy is you're expecting the instant gratification of telling somebody something once and expecting a result. It's like, um, you know, macros. It's like if you tell your client to track macros and they, you know, do it one day, they're not going to get results. Same as a trainer. If you tell somebody that they need to focus on the sustainability of things one time, they're probably not going to get it the first time. You're probably going to have to keep reinforcing that point with them. Yeah. And whether it's fitness, whether it's business, doesn't matter what it is. So much of it is going to be two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, two steps back, right? It's going to be up and down, up and down, up, up and down. Mm -hmm. As long as the overall trajectory is upwards, you're going to get there. Exactly. Um, and it's just something that we have to help or better help our clients understand. Mm -hmm. Now, we are in a, of course, needless to say, uh, at the time of shooting this, we are going through a very unique time. Uh, we've been going through it for about seven months now. And of course, I'm referring, uh, referring to COVID. Mm -hmm. Now, going back to your personal experience, uh, you've done a lot of mental resiliency work. It sounds like you've done a lot of self-reflection to make yourself just that much more mentally strong, uh, give you that grit, so to speak. Would you say that some of that work or that work in general has helped you prepare for something like this, which was entirely unpredictable? 
Um, it has and it hasn't. I mean, I wish I could say I responded better to the whole COVID situation and I didn't let it take a mental toll, but just like anybody else, I'm human. And when we hit lockdown, you know, I tried and tried to keep motivated and, you know, the, the lockdown really got me down. And, but I think it was just another example of resiliency because when we came out of lockdown, there's a lot of things I wish I could have done that I didn't do necessarily during that time. And when I self-reflected after, you know, um, businesses started opening up again, and when I started getting back on the gym floor, when I reflected it, like, okay, what do I wish I could have done over that time? And, you know, is it too late to start that now? And the answer to all those questions were no. And I used it as motivation to be like, hey, like, if something like this ever happens again, I want to be prepared. I want to have the systems in place to be able to help people better, um, you know, whether they're stuck at home or whether that they're in the gym. And, you know, I want to be on top of things and prepared to just help people with as many avenues as, po as possible, whether that be, you know, offering online training options or whether that be being prepared to help people with at-home workouts or whether that be able to, you know, provide people with social media. Like, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand the value of social media, but for somebody sitting across from their phone, they might read your social media posts and that might be the kick in the butt that they need to take some action today that's going to help them, you know, better themselves in the long run. Certainly. Um, and I really want to get into that just a little bit more because, you know, you may not know the statistics. I, I read somewhere that, you know, we are just approaching, I believe, 400,000 personal trainers across Canada and the U.S. alone. Mm -hmm. 400,000. So... Mm -hmm. Not only that, does that speak to how easy it is to get a certificate, meaning that there are some not so savvy trainers out there. We won't talk about that today. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but that means that there is a huge amount of competition out there, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, as if getting a client wasn't hard enough already, now you are up against 400,000 other personal trainers. You have to learn how to differentiate yourself as a trainer. Um, and now in the midst of COVID, you also have to shift your business, you know, your different business models, how you deliver your service. So how would you advise a personal, personal trainer who was just starting to get into his or her own, and now they get slapped in the face with this unpredicted, you know, this unpredicted state that we're in? How hmm. do they continue their business? Well, I, I have some actually interesting thoughts on all of this, but um, the first piece of advice I would give that trainer is learn to pivot. Um, there's always going to be changes that are thrown at you throughout your training career um, that are going to force you to pivot and being able to pivot and be resilient and, you know, find new avenues is going to help a lot. So, um, you know, that's, that risk is always present, you know, whether it's COVID or whether it's, um, you know, all of a sudden your manager deciding one day that they don't like you and firing you from your corporate trainer job. You might have to pivot and find, you know, a new job or a new way of training or something like that because of life's uncertainties. They're always going to be there um, no matter what job you have, no matter what industry you're in, no matter who you are. One of the best life skills we can have as anybody is to be able to pivot. But especially as a personal trainer, there's a lot of changes that come. We're dealing with a lot of different people's lives and you know a lot of people 
are going to have things come up. So a piece of advice that I give trainers that's very practical in this sense is when a client cancels on you because something comes up in their life, give them a second alternative. Be like, hey, no worries. You can't make our session today. If you can, try to go for a five-minute walk tonight. Try to do 10 bodyweight squats. Always give them an alternative because, you know, even if they're getting charged for that session or maybe you're choosing not to charge them, but, you know, that hour of yours is now taken. But if you don't give them that, they don't feel like you care about their general health and fitness. Um, you're just there to take their money, right? So the best thing you could do is pivot. No matter what changes come at you, have a strategy to be able to compensate for that change and be able to make the best out of a bad situation. Great answer. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm gonna, I want to go a little bit deeper on that. Mm -hmm. Now, um, especially in the midst of this pandemic, but also I think moving forward. Now I want to explain that. I truly, truly believe, okay, the majority of people, and I hate using the word majority because it's so all-encompassing, but I truly believe it is the majority of people. When it comes to the gym, they're already on the fence. Do I go? Do I not go? And now with all of this uncertainty with, oh, you know, even if the gym's open, we don't have a vaccine. We don't, what about all the germs? Are they, are their benches going to be clean uh, every minute or whatever it is? And they have all this uncertainty. I truly believe that post pandemic, the people who were already on the fence, they're going to fall off the fence in the wrong direction. <laughs> so they're not going to go. <laughs> so going back to what you were saying about pivoting. So the, the pivot there, if you want to continue to serve your, your consumers, you're going to need an online presence whether that's online training program or Zoom calls like this. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, when it comes to Zoom calls like this, how do you continue to build and maintain rapport with your clients when you're missing that physical element? Because we are a very, very physical species. And that's definitely hard to do. It's um, a skill that I've struggled with developing and I've been working on continually. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'm perfect at it. It's definitely something I'm getting better at. But having as many strategies in place to communicate with people as often as possible without getting annoying, of course, where they're getting a text message from you every hour. How are you doing? How are you doing? It's like, that's probably a little bit too much. But communicating with people and giving people a chance to provide you with feedback about how you're doing and genuinely caring. And that's where I think it comes back to the why like even on a zoom call like this if you know i tell you my why and you tell me your why we're going to connect whether it's face to face or not there's going to be emotion there there's going to be that sense of vulnerability and opening up to people so if you open up to people you're vulnerable and you genuinely care about doing the right thing for them listening to their story and just doing the best you can by them they're going to be able to sense that whether it's over a computer or in person. I think I, I can sum up everything you just said in two words that you used. You use the word genuine and communication. I, if you approach all of your relationships, whether it's a client, client, uh, you know, a business relationship, whatever it is, if you approach it with those two terms in mind, I think it goes a long, long way. And what I found is, yes, because we are in a very competitive uh, industry, a lot of us 
are money starved. Unfortunately, that's just the reality of personal training. It's a tough business to maintain, especially full-time. I do, that's why I do think a lot of personal trainers do it part-time and they have a full-time job elsewhere. Yeah. But if, if it were me, I'm not an active trainer anymore, but I do maintain open dialogue with my customers, meaning that I have an open do door policy. Within reason, of course, okay, so within reason, don't abuse it. But if you have questions, please, by all means, reach out to me, reach out to my team, right? And we will do whatever we can to support you through that journey. And no, we're not going to charge, we're not going to nickel and dime you for, for having to respond to an email. But I think that's the philosophy that a lot of trainers or a lot of professionals just get into, right? Oh, I'm taking 10, 15 minutes out of my day to respond to, the, to their unique situation. I should be charging them for that. What kind of relationship are you building there? And that's just crazy to me because I think that people forget about the long term of things like, oh, well, um, I shouldn't give away all my secrets or I shouldn't answer people's questions for free. Well, that information's out there. If you're not going to answer their question for free, somebody else will. And that kind of goes back to the competitiveness of the industry that you talked about. The more information you give away for free to people, the more time you take out of your day to genuinely help people that are asking for your help, the more of a connection they're going to build with you. And when they are ready to, you know, spend their money on a product or service that you offer, you're going to be their go-to because you were genuine enough to take your time out of your day and do that for people. I think that just comes down to doing the right thing. Like, yes, we spend a lot of time educating ourselves and our time is valuable, but if somebody comes to you with a, you know, legit question and legit seeking guidance and needing help, you denying them that guidance, it just isn't the right thing to do. Like maybe they don't become your client, but because you took that 15 minutes out of your day to send them that email or jump on a call with them, you know, they're going to remember your name and they're going to have a lot of gratitude for what you did for them. And they're going to go tell three to five friends about what you did for them. And then, you know, those three to five friends are going to come to you. And then, you know, maybe one of those turns into a paying customer, maybe none do, but when you do the right thing, I, I truly believe in good karma. It comes back to, to help you in the long run. For sure. And this Zoom, this Zoom interface, it has the pros and its cons. We already talked about the cons, uh, the lack of the physical presence, but the pro there is because it's so easy to dialogue with your, your clients, you have the ability to over deliver value. Absolutely. You just got to do it. You just got to have that heart to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your practice specifically then. Um, okay. you kind of, you've alluded a little bit to moving online. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. And then, you know, as we are an ever adapting species, especially going through what we're going through now, the demands of people today might look a little bit different than what they might look like six months from now. So let's talk about your, your current practice, what you're doing today and how you might evolve six months from now. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so my current practice is something I'm really excited about because I spent about five years on the gym floor and whereas you're right about the competitiveness of the industry, you know, there being 400,000 trainers, I think the population of people that could benefit from personal training is every single person on this planet. So because we also have such a wide, you know, reach of people that we can help, um, there's a lot of things we can do to help those people. So something I've been doing in the past couple months, 
um, I've recently left the corporate gym environment and started my own business is I've been, how can I help as many people as possible? Um, and that really comes down to starting the online training. I've been able to get into helping more people than I've ever been able to help before because there's no geographical barriers to hold me down anymore. Any, you know, somebody could be across the world and I could still help that person. I could still create them a program. I could still provide them with the guidance they need. Um, provided they speak English, I might want to learn in some different languages to help some more people. And maybe that's a future thing I get into. But um, for now, of English speaking people, I can help anybody of English speaking. Um, so the way that that's evolved my business is that I can help anybody. And this looks a little bit different because, um, you know, as a trainer in a corporate setting, um, in order for you to help a person, they have to make the decision themselves to walk through the front doors of your gym. They have to be set up with you. You do a consultation with them and then you can help them. Whereas now there's this different type of people that I can help that aren't confident enough to get into the gym. And I didn't start seeing these people until I made this shift to the online training spaces. You know, there's people out there, they're like, what, like, I really want to get in the gym. I really want to get into, you know, lifting weights, but I'm too scared to. And, you know, some of that right now might be COVID. Some of it might also be um, just confidence. And, you know, they never really felt that confidence to step through the doors of the gym. They feel like it's intimidating. So a big thing I've started doing now is helping those people that aren't confident enough to get into the gym, start building their confidence with at-home workouts to build the confidence to get into the gym one day, or maybe just to stay at home and work out for the rest of their lives. Like health isn't limited to just the people that are willing to step into the gym, you know, health and fitness is for everybody. There's something that every single person on this planet can be doing to better their health and fitness. And like I said, it looks different for everybody. Maybe you don't have a lot of time. Maybe it's just going for five minute walks. Maybe it's at home workouts. Um, so the question is, is how do we take the practical training things we learn of, you know, like the terms like progressive overload and, um, you know, good nutrition and all these like really, really nitty gritty terms that help people get results in the gym? How do we take those and how do we translate those out to strategies to help people at home workouts? And that's something I've been learning along the way. Um, you know, I actually kind of found your evolution training system via that I'm like wow this is like a really cool tool that if I had somebody who's like you know I just want to work out at home for the rest of my life he's like well great here's an option for you it's like you know um, eventually the body weight workouts aren't going to become practical anymore if you want to continue getting results it's not practical to do four sets of 300 body weight squats because you've just been doing body weight squats for so long that they're no longer hard for you and you know they're going to become stale right so, you know, for those people, they, you know, it's okay that they don't want to get into the gym setting to continue progressing, but what strategies do I have as an online trainer to help them? And that's where it starts to come down to suggestions like purchasing your system or buying a rack for at home or buying weights for at home and helping people guide through that and helping people realize what that looks like. Because if you've never been in a gym before, you don't know what equipment is in the gym and what equipment you need. You know, you're looking online at, um, well, I could buy this equipment. I could buy that equipment. What's going to be best for me? So taking the guesswork away from those people is something I've really been focusing on lately of like, okay, here's how we get you from where you are right now 
to where you want to be in six months. And here's some, you know, small things you can buy, a kettlebell, some bands, and then here's some longer term investments that you could make at home to continue working out for the rest of your life. Or maybe you feel the confidence enough to get into a gym after three months. It's like, oh, great. Now I've done my job of actually getting the person from not being confident enough to get through those two doors to being confident enough to get through those two doors. And that's a skill that I did not have before working in a corporate setting is I was only able to help the people getting through those two doors is now I can actually help people get through those two doors or find all their alternatives if they never want to step foot in a gym. I, I, I love it. And you're, and you're right. And even in the way that you describe that, uh, the, the, the thing that I really want personal trainers to understand is exercise in and of itself is not that complicated. Succeeding with exercise is not that complicated, right? Mm -hmm. As long as you have a little bit of guidance, a little bit of accountability, somebody who can understand your situation, your unique situation, you can succeed. Right? And I think that's the, the biggest thing. And we want to throw this at them, that at them, this new bad, that bad, whatever. It doesn't have to be. There is no set way of doing anything, right? Nutrition is a great example of this, right? I am a faster. I've been fasting for as long as I can remember, way before it became a thing, like 12 years or something like that. But I would mm -hmm. never, I don't ever advocate for any of my clients, my friends, people that I run into. I never I advocate fasting for them. I just yeah. say, find something that you can do, something that you can do regularly on a repeated basis, and stick with that. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. I mean, unless your consistency is uh, fast food, then, then okay, so maybe, maybe we can have a discussion around that. But in and yeah. of itself, I do believe that people inherently know what foods are good and what foods are bad. Right? <laughs> there are little nuances in that, of course, but uh, in general, I think everybody knows to drink water, to exercise, to move your body, right? So it doesn't have to get very much more complicated than that. Um, no. But yeah, no, no I, I love what you said there. And so if somebody's looking for you then, if somebody's looking for your services, um, where can they find you? Instagram. Um, so I have Instagram and I have Facebook. Feel free to add my personal page on Facebook, um, Max Hall. But my Facebook page is Max Hall Fitness for both Instagram and Facebook. And that's where I put out the majority of my content. And my content is structured towards helping people and giving people free information um, and just motivation of like, hey, you can do this. Um, so reach out to me there. I also have a website, www.maxhallfitness.com. Um, where you can reach out to me on there as well. So I'll make sure to uh, provide all those links in the description there. Um, awesome. and, and as much as I know you want to say everyone, mm -hmm. if there is one person that you can help, who would that person be? The person that's struggling with the confidence to get into the gym. Um, I like helping people in those situations that are very much at low points. Um, kind of like I mentioned near the beginning of the podcast with where I hit my low point and exercise and fitness helped me pull myself out of my low point. If you're a person listening to this podcast and you're at a low point in your life and you need somebody to help lift you out of that, please reach out to me because I would like to be the person that guides you from that low point and helps pull you out of that.
Fantastic. And this is a question that we ask every, or I guess I ask every guest. If you, if somebody was living an evolved life, what did that look like? I think it means constantly growing and getting better. I think we've, we're never going to be not available to create change. We're always going to be able to evolve. We're always going to be able to get better. There's always going to be things we can work on, whether it's in our health and fitness, whether it's in our business, um, our personal relationships with people, there's always going to be room to grow and evolve. So living an evolved life is having the understanding that every single day, there's going to be a way that you can evolve and get better. That is very, very powerful. And I really, really hope that they take that message away. It's never too late. You can always create change, no matter what the circumstances are. Max, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, such, such a pleasure. And I, 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 I wish there were more trainers who took your philosophy in wanting to help their clients and specifically how you help your clients. So thank you again. Thanks for joining us for this episode of My Evolved Life. Guys, if you found any value at all, and I'm sure you did, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, or you want to be a guest or recommend a guest, send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at EvolutionVN. Oh, if you think your friends would enjoy this podcast, please make sure to share it with them. Until next time, live your evolved life.